Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, advice that will sharpen your focus, and expert information on real estate, finance, and market conditions. Chris Aguilar, thank you so much for joining us for the Mike Litton Experience, man. I know how busy you are, and you have taken time out of your incredibly busy schedule to, to share with us about your new book, Just Maximize, and also to tell us your story, right? And, you know, as you know from us talking before we hit record, everybody has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. So with your permission, we're going to start with when, where you were born, and then we're just going to basically go all the way through. Your story is in your book, Just Maximize, and it is compelling. I couldn't put the book down. And I'm telling you, I told you this before we hit record, and I'm telling you this now, it's the best book I've read on real estate investing, period, bar none. Well, I am thoroughly impressed, and I'm super, super excited to be doing this with you. So thanks again. Well, Mike, it is my honor, my my honor to be here with you guys, and super excited to um, tell our story. I think we all have a story. You yeah. have a story, Mike, and, and today we're going to talk about my story. Hopefully, one day I get to bring you into our podcast and hear about your story. Absolutely. But yeah, um, so... Where would you like me to start? I'm, I was born start and raised where you're in born. Start okay, so where you're born, and then we're going to go all the way up to today, and then we can talk about the book and what you're doing right, what you're doing now. Fantastic. So I'm um, I'm a U.S. citizen. I was born and raised here in San Diego. I'm a first-generation Mexican-American. Uh, a lot of people confuse me with other nationalities. I've got, this week I got three nationalities. They said, are you a Filipino? <laughs> Somebody said, are you from a, a Brazilian? And I forget the third one, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Yeah. But I was, I am a Mexican American uh, uh, individual, and I I had the honor to uh, be raised in a family uh, with six siblings. Oh, so wow. a, a total of six of us, five siblings, yeah. total of six. Uh, father and mother still live. They're amazing. Father is a pastor. Mm -hmm. You know, mother is out there changing the world as well. So um, I have in my family, um, you know, three, four. Four of my brothers are pastors, and wow. that's a pastor. So we got we we're a, a Christian um, a family. But hey, I accepted God as my Savior about uh, thirteen and a half years ago when I got married to my beautiful Denise, yeah. and we both made a decision to taking God serious. But prior to that, I was kind of like the black sheep. Like I didn't uh, not that I I was raised in a good family, so I believe I have good morals, good principles, but. I just didn't have the desire to have a relationship with God. Yeah. And I experimented wealth very early in life. And we'll get into that a little later, Mike. But you know that wealth without purpose brings bad habits yeah. and things to your life. Wealth yeah. on purpose brings life and joy and appreciation and so many other things. So um, I was born in a place uh, here in San Diego, California called uh, Southeast San Diego. Okay. It is Probably the the most uh, ghetto neighborhood someone could be raised uh, in, 
in the county here in San Diego, California. And um, the upbringing was difficult. It was normal for me to see I'm away from walking home uh, from elementary, walking home and and see somebody, you know, that yellow tape that cops normally put around, you know, someone that's dead. Yeah. I would see like homicides like all the time. Maybe not it happening, but at least somebody dropped dead. And at some point in my life, I remember walking home and just being like, oh, another dead person. Cool. Let's go around. Let's walk around this yellow tape. Wow. You know, um, it was bad growing up in, in, in that neighborhood. Yeah. I hope it's not the same anymore. Um, I've heard it's not the same anymore. Uh, but uh, it was difficult to live like that, thinking maybe one day I'm going to get murdered. And and um, seeing how uh, most of my friends that I went to elementary with, if not all of them, ended up in drugs, addictions of some kind, um, with the exception of my best friend, Alex Maria, who is a, who he is a, an attorney and now works for um, the government and it's a high rank, you know, officer in the government and amazing guy, very intelligent. But aside from him, I don't think I know anybody else that made it hmm. uh, at least through a four year degree. And yeah. not that that has anything to do with success in life, right? We all define success differently, but uh, um, you know, I'm thinking right now as I'm kind of thinking out loud and I can't remember somebody else that is, that is doing okay in life, unfortunately. Hmm. So um, it was that bad. It was yeah. that bad of a neighborhood. But fast forward, um, you know, growing up, um, probably at the age of um, 12, I had a family that that my friends, frankly, envied. Friends yeah. always said, hey, um, you have the most beautiful family, your mother, your father, amazing brothers. You guys are, you guys do pretty well. My dad owned a uh, nationwide business in Mexico. Um, you know, my, my grandpa actually was the um, a guy who... Um, uh, invented this machine to be able to replicate uh this is probably before um uh the time of a lot of people that are going to listen to this but um there is a, such thing before um uh audio downloads on youtube and amazon and that's or, or apple uh there was this 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 uh, thing it was called 16 track 16 mm -hmm. a track and mm -hmm. and then there was the the discs uh mm -hmm. and then there was the you know uh, cds and Comics, then yeah and the cassettes before the CD. So yeah. uh, my grandpa invented the machine that would massively produce, uh, reproduce uh, 16 tracks. Hmm. And, and so my father continued that legacy and built an amazing business throughout Mexico. And I have no idea why he, well, actually I've asked him a couple of times and, uh, you know, he was also the first, he was, I was I'm from first generation immigrant to the U.S. Yeah. He brought us to the U.S., knew nothing about neighborhoods. My question to him was, why why did you raise us in a neighborhood that was so bad yeah. being able to buy a a hole a home outside of that neighborhood and his answer was well son i i believe that um that adversity builds people and i believe that um our nucleus was so strong that you guys were going to be influencers and not be influenced he said and i believe that no matter what school you went to you're always going to excel he goes it i respectfully disagreed with my father now me as a father you know, um, but uh, he believed in uh, buying everything cash, and that was just the way he ran business in Mexico. And he came by a home cash here in the U.S. and and that's just the way he he ran his life, right? But um, I honor my dad. He's an amazing dude, amazing father, as you say, dude, amazing father. Um, but at the age of twelve, I had a a great family. Mm -hmm. At least the people around me admired it, and I was did, really. Didn't you have more 
get more friends of your of your more friends at the at the table for dinner than you had kids than your mom had kids yes oh you did read my book yes oh yeah oh i couldn't put it down chris <laughs> thank you uh, that means a lot mike well um yes yeah, so it was so awesome that it was normal for all of us it was six of us to bring friends over for dinner yeah. uh, or lunch you know or the weekends and my dad will always take us out for restaurants and awesome restaurants and we would travel a lot and vacation a lot and you know i had a good upbringing yeah at the age of 13 life gave me a, a big turn. surprise a big turn yeah the turn, the turn was that i got i got um i saw something that that i probably that no 13 year old should ever see or witness and i've always been um now i know that that it's called discernment god gives people discernment and i discerned something with one of my parents and i won't say who it was but that um they were doing something wrong. They were, and I touched it in my book a little bit, and that, that something was off. So I called them out, mm -hmm. and that was very direct uh, from a very young age. And I said, "Hey, you know, I think you're doing this, and I think it's wrong." Mm -hmm. I said, "What are you talking about? Don't be disrespecting me like this." So I, I didn't go to school that day, and I came back home, and I, and I, and I followed them, and I observed some things that I should never had seen. Mm -hmm. I saw one of my parents being unfaithful. Uh, I, I guess now as an adult, it's like, okay, whatever it happens to people. But at 13, when it's your parents and it's your dream family and the most admirable family and, and Christian family, it's not something nice to see that you wouldn't expect. Mm -hmm. So I stopped coming home mm -hmm. and soon enough, my father, you know, um, you know, and my mother were upset with me for not coming home. They didn't know what I had witnessed. So then um, I confronted the, the individual, the one that was doing that and um and i said hey um i don't want to come back because i know what you're doing i was right i told you i followed you that same day and i saw this in this place mm -hmm. and i wish i never had seen that yeah. and so um you know they they agreed to confess so they confessed and in that moment at the end of the day my parents got divorced at the age of 13 when i was 13 years old mm -hmm. and i got kicked out of my house for telling and um i you couch surfed for a couple of years, right? Yeah, you did. You did read my whole book. Oh, I couldn't put it down, man. I mean, I, I would. You have, you have one of the most compelling stories I've ever heard, and okay. and then your brother steps in. Yes, yes. So what, what so, an amazing, what an amazing move. Yeah. Well, well, you know, um, something that I didn't say in the book, and I, I, I feel like I should mention it now is that I I went from my friend's couch to my friend's couch to my friend's couch, but there was a point where I actually was living under a bridge oh. in a real bad neighborhood for a couple yeah, of days. Did. And, and you I, I think I went, that. You, you said you were effectively homeless, but yeah. Yeah, but I went probably two days or three days without eating. And I I was raised like in a way where, you know, I always thought to, uh, to work, but I couldn't find employment. I couldn't find a way how to produce money at that age. And I was frankly... Yeah you know, in this mental crisis, I don't know what to do. And I called my older brother and I said, Hey, you know, um, you know, I, this is where I'm at. It's what I'm doing. And frankly, I'm calling you cause I'm really hungry. Mm -hmm. I, I said, and, um, and I know that, um, you don't know all the details of what happened and I'm not going to tell you, mm -hmm. but I don't want to hurt you. And he was way older than me. He was an adult. Right. And I said, I want to yeah. hurt you. So he goes, you know, why don't we do, um, dinner, Chris? And why don't we do dinner and we uh, we can talk about it? 
So he took me, picked me up, took me over to eat at, I will never forget what he did. He took me to eat at uh, Burger King mm -hmm. and I ate, he bought me a, 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 a value meal and I asked for a second one. You ate two of them. Yeah, I ate two of them. Wow. And it changed my life. He gave me an opportunity. He said, Chris, you know, you're a smart dude. Um, I didn't finish uh, my school, but I think you have the right, the right head and your shoulders to go out and do it. So how about if, uh, and I know you love wrestling. I, I, I enjoyed wrestling as a sport, Olympic wrestling, mm -hmm. Greco-Roman wrestling. So I, um, he gave me the opportunity to live with him and my grandparents and he paid for uh, my school. He paid, um, you know, for me to be able to wrestle. Yeah. For your equipment, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, it got, it got tough there as well, but to move forward, um, uh, I would say probably at the age of, um, I graduated from high school a year younger, a year, a year before. Everybody was in 11th grade when I had already graduated as far as units mm -hmm. uh, goes. And I applied for this job or for this internship um, for this company owned by General Dynamics. It's a shipbuilding company here called NASCO in Southern California. I believe the only shipbuilding company in our country that massively produces ships, by the way. Anyway, so... Um, I got a, I got an internship there for for a year, and they taught me how to um, read blueprints and and that sort of thing, you know. And I thought I I thought I did great there, but then something happened there that I might have not put in the book, Mike. Um, I was number they 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 had a, at the time they had about twenty two thousand employees, and there was a uh, three shifts uh, in the company. The company, I mean the 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 footprint of the company, I mean geographically, I mean they, I think they. They gotta have like 500 acres or something. It's a pretty massive um, production line there. But um, out of those 25,000 employees, I was number like 1,745 or something, and I didn't like that. It it, it just didn't. I didn't. Uh, it didn't sit well with me to know that I was like number 1,000 something, <laughs> and I want to be number one in what I do. <laughs> and I was very applied in anything I did from a very young age. And some of the old timers that were way older than me, I was probably what eighteen now at the time when I started working after the internship. Yeah. And um, some of the old timers had been working there for a long time, like 20, 30 years for the same company. And they're like, dude, I'm like number seven thousand something. Like you should be happy with that. You're just a youngster that just came in the company. You do you work very hard. Yeah. They would grade you based on how much you produced, mm -hmm. how much of a producer you were, uh, and how punctual. And um, there's a couple other marks, but those were the two top tiers of grading. And uh, so I said, hey, uh, would you guys allow me to work with the number one guy? I want to meet this guy. I would like to work next to him. I said, I want to beat him. Mm -hmm. And uh, after knocking on that door enough, they allowed me, they partnered me up with number one. Mm -hmm. So um, I wouldn't say his name to uh, respect him, but um, he, 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 I'll say his nickname. They called him El Burro. El Burro means like, like donkey in, in English, it means yeah. uh, someone who is just like a burro, you know, it's like a hard worker type of dude. Yeah. Puts his head down. All he did was work. But so working next to him, I learned that that guy wouldn't take breaks. He wouldn't take his lunches. He worked through the lunches. Uh -huh. He worked extra hours off the clock. And man, this guy is crazy. Mm -hmm. And I, he was probably twice as my age and I couldn't keep up with him. Mm -hmm. So one day I got injured and I, I dislocated my index finger in my left hand and I had to get a whole bunch of stitches and there was an investigation done and they found out that uh, he was under the influence of drugs mm. and, and he was doing drugs and that's why he could work without eating. I guess it's a thing. 
And um, I, I, I never thought he was doing drugs, but so he got fired and, and I got put on light duty. Yeah. And, um, and so I was taking care of cars. There were probably a couple miles of, of cars on second shift. And I remember feeling like a big, big loser. I was mm. always walking on those, just doing nothing, just walking around, taking care of cars that are just there parked, mm -hmm. locked. And I just walking around. And, and uh, one day I remember that I was just crying and, and not feeling well at all. And, you know, I had these inspirations of having, being able to get married one day and having the cars, the, the home, the children, you know, that had a beautiful state home, maybe owning a plane one day and all those visions I had. And, and I knew I had it in me. I just didn't know how to get it out, you know, mm -hmm. and I felt stuck. I feel like it just, I wasn't progressing. And there was one, one day that marked my life. Mm -hmm. There's a day that I was, I was in tears walking and I said, enough is enough with the real Slim Shady stand up. I said, the real Chris Aguilar stand up. Mm -hmm. I used to listen to a lot of Slim Shady back then, but I that marked my life because I said, I'm gonna stop putting excuses. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna stop pretending that the government or people owe me something. I don't know what that is. The either. people owe me something. And I'm gonna go out and take grounds for myself. Mm -hmm. So I quit. I went to San Diego State University and I got I got a a, a degree, a four-year degree in I think two and a half years. I broke a record at in the business department. Um I got I got it against the advice of most um respectfully against most uh, counselors at San Diego State. Yeah. They said I was gonna get uh, kicked out because I was taking too many units. Right. You know, one of the things I always say is never underestimate what you would do when your back is against the wall. Yeah. And that's where I was. I needed to succeed. I needed to, I needed an out, and I was determined to go get it. Mm -hmm. And the feeling I had, if I could describe it, um, one of our pastors, Melissa Higginbottom, uh, gave me a word one day, and and I love the analogy she gave me of how I felt, you know. And I felt like, you know, I like Ferraris, mm -hmm. you know, it's like my thing, and and um, I kind of like the Ferrari, like the F seven. Mm -hmm. And it can get from, from zero to a hundred and two point nine seconds, I think 720 horsepower. It's wow. a powerful machine. Yeah. And it's it's made, it's built by its creator to go, you know, fast. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had it in me. I was built by God to go out and take massive territories and and be able to live the life that I wanted to live and help yeah. others and have the nonprofits that we have now and be able to be generous and and have the homes and the cars and all this stuff, family. But I, I felt I felt like that Ferrari. I had it in me. I know how to take it out. And I felt like I was going 20 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. And and I even going to San Diego State, that's how I felt. Yeah. I it was it was bad. And finishing my degree was a big accomplishment, of course. Getting my degree first. Uh, go ahead, Mike. So in the book, you said you had enough for one chicken teriyaki bowl a day. Oh. Wow, that's pretty good. Yes. Yeah. So so and like three dollars and twenty-five cents or something. I mean, it was this this book is fascinating. The story you tell is just you can't put it down because <laughs> you want to hear what's gonna happen next. You know yeah. what I mean? It's cool, man. Okay, see, so um so I yes, I, I ate at this uh, restaurant that's still up and running. It's called Mrs. Rice in Palomar Avenue, where they sell you a tiraki. Well, they used to sell you a tiraki chicken bowl for three dollars and twenty five cents, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah. And I had enough money. The last year at San Diego State, I only had enough money to uh, buy myself one meal per day. Yeah. And that's what I did. And I graduated. Well, I was about to graduate. I started applying for jobs. And I, I, I have a business degree, a business um, import-export degree. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought... I imagined had this vision of me being an working for a big company, importing stuff from China, yeah. exporting services from the US into Europe and traveling. And that was my idea in getting this degree. Right. I liked construction because my dad uh, had a, uh, uh, my, my brother's godfather uh, worked in construction. I would go work with him in the summers and I hated it. Oh. And I hated it <laughs> because I'm not. A, I'm still not an early bird. I'm not an early person, and I don't like waking up early. I do that for prayer only. I do it for God. But anyway, yeah. so I um I didn't like construction. Oh wow! And, and the reason I say that is because I applied to I can't remember, but quite a bit of companies that did in, import and export, and I couldn't get a job. But then I saw this ad for a construction company, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a Senior, it was a project manager position. So um, I applied for it. I got hired. I was mm-hmm. like, it's too easy. And I remember that um, at that time, you know, with my the girlfriend I had at the time, her and I finished school together, and we both had this vision. And we said, hey, we could make what Lyle makes. Lyle was a uh, um, uh, uh, stepfather. Mm-hmm. And he was making, um, he's probably at the time, it was probably about a 60 year old man, and he was making, um, $58,000 a year. And Harry and I thought if we could ever, if by the time we're like 40, 38, we can make what he's making, mm-hmm. like we'll be well off. Yeah. And that's what we thought. Yeah. So here comes my first job. I get an offer at $65,000 in this construction company. Mm-hmm. And we're like, whoa, what's up with that? So yeah. obviously, even though I didn't like construction, I went for it. But then um, I, when I started working there, I received a call from another company I applied and they offered me more money. Wow. I was like, wait, wow, this guy's, this guy's really, they, they, they pay good money. So, um, yeah. so I applied, I said, you know what? I remembered a prophecy that was given to me when I was 13 years old. My dad went to go preach to this church and, and I remember, I, I always liked going to my father. He, um, growing up, I always wanted to be like him. And and still do once in I almost say once in a while, but I still do in some aspects. And um, um, but love love my my parents, and I went with him to this preaching he did, and I, I was I like hanging out with him, but I wasn't I wasn't a church going guy. I was just there because yeah. I wanted to be with my dad. Right. And I didn't want to do at the time what he did, which is a pastor thing and a preacher and evangelist at the time. He was an evangelist and would travel throughout Latin America, and um entrepreneur slash evangelist and um this time was very different because mm-hmm. the when he finished preaching the pastor of that church grabbed the mic went on stage and said hey you know um mr aguilar's son can you please come to the front i want to pray for you i was all the way in the back mm-hmm. and i said me yeah you I'm like okay so i came to the front and the guy prophesied that i was gonna own a construction company and build churches mm-hmm. and I remember him praying for me literally physically with his hand on my head mm-hmm. and I opened up my eyes. And I was like, this guy's crazy. And <laughs> my dad being next to saying, close your eyes, son. That's respectful. <laughs> so I closed my eyes back. Like, hey, this guy doesn't know what he's saying. I don't, I'm going to go to school to not do construction, you know? Right. Anyways, um, I remember that. And I yeah. said, whoa, that's, 
is that a coincidence? So I said, I'm going to go ahead and apply for the biggest company I could apply mm-hmm. for, the, for the, like the best position they have and we'll yeah. see what happens. So I did some research and a company with the name of uh, Point and Gosnell Builders was not hiring. I'm saying was not hiring, but I knew they didn't have, um, they were the largest employer in the state of Arizona, top three developer in our country, but they, they didn't have much California presence. They, right. they, I mean, it was, they had big presence, but not as much as in all the other states or other parts of the world. Right. I did my due diligence. So then I called them and said, hey, I know you guys don't have a big presence in, in San Diego. I'm from San Diego. I know uh, a lot of people here. I would like to um, work for you guys. Can I send you my resume? Sent the resume, got a call back. And um, I'll never forget this. When I, I, was, I was getting interviewed, uh, I'm the director of operations for the company uh, was interviewing me, came out to the front desk and um, looked at me, looked at Allison Glenn at the time. Uh, who was the secret his secretary mm-hmm. and uh, and said uh, where's my my appointment my right. one o'clock, whatever where's my like. interview yeah it was my interview and i think he said like where's my one o'clock and he referenced <laughs> it he referenced the time basically yeah. and uh it was very memorable because of what he said yeah. so then he uh allison said oh he's here's mr aguilar and then he looked at me from top to bottom and he said is this a joke but he didn't say that to me he said it to the to to allison and I was like, hello, I'm right here. I'm listening, you know. Yes, I can hear you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's not a joke. Uh, I'm here to get interviewed, sir. And uh, he goes, I'm sorry. I, I was actually following him to his office. He started walking back to his office. I started following him. He goes, he looks back. He's this big, tall dude, American guy and mm-hmm. with big hand. I call him Papa Bear now. Is He's my mentor, one of my best friends forever. And he literally got this big Papa Bear hand and goes, sir. He goes, Mr. Aguilar, I don't have time. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. This position we're looking for we thought you were someone else. Your resume is pretty good, but uh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I followed him all the way to his office. I didn't take no for an answer. So I followed him and I said, Sarah, I need five minutes of your time. Could mm-hmm. you give me five minutes? He was sitting behind his desk already. He said, hey, you're already in my office. Go ahead. What's up? And I said, look, no matter what I say or do, you're not going to believe me. I'm not, a, I'm not a guy that thinks that people are racist because of the color of my skin and you're being a racist. I said, I'm not going to go that route. I said, but I know that because of my age and the position that I'm applying for, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not going to believe on me, but let me tell you, this is what I want to do. I said, give me the worst project that you have here in California. Give me seven days and I'll come back with a budget subtrade assembly with other subcontractors are going to build this project, architects, consultants, third party, you know, consultants, and I'll bring a a full developed plan uh, with a schedule, I said, at the end of seven days. And a budget, said, right? In a budget, yeah. The yeah. budget assembly is a budget. Right. And, I, and I said, hey, um, would you um, would you allow me to purchase the plans so of this job that you might have that is not working for you? And I had some intel that they had some jobs that weren't working for them in California, mm-hmm. what I had read. So I said, give me like the worst job you have and, and uh, let me take a look at it. I would even pay for the plan to say, I'm finishing up school. I'm a student. I don't have a lot of money to be spending, sir, but I'll, I know the plans are probably like 300 bucks. I'm willing to pay for the plans, the blueprints, and uh, and I'll bring him back. Mm-hmm. And he said, he smiled at me. He goes, if, that, if that's what's going to take to get rid of you, then I'll give you the plans for free. Ah. So he asked uh, someone to give me a set of plans. I left. And again, 
<laughs> you know, I was like, what did I get into? Right. So <clears throat> I was finishing up school and uh, I was trying to put this budget together and I I had a wall. I had never built anything aside from a couple of houses. And I I learned that I knew how to read, read blueprints, but neighbor architecture, not not massive uh, multifamily developments. The right. plans of God, um, they were to develop uh, 272 condominiums in Spring Valley here in Southern California. Anyways, I, on the third day, I was notorious for not sleeping and working, studying through the night when I was going to school. And I was doing the same thing for that project. And on the third day, I was falling asleep. Tears started coming out. But I always had this engraved in me. Uh, and my dad did a good job with this, where if I always say I'm going to do something, I do it or I die. Mm -hmm. Like, literally. Like, I'm not going to stop. And and I couldn't. I had committed to Mr. Bears. I was going to do it. I mm -hmm. said I was going to do something. So I... I went to the backyard on the third day and I found two empty uh, paint um, buckets, five gallon buckets and brought them inside, flew them up with water and ice, put my feet in it. I didn't like caffeine back then. didn't like coffee. Love, I love coffee now. I'm an avid, mm -hmm. I'm an, I'm an avid uh, coffee drinker. I'm in recovery right now for seven weeks, by the way. But uh, anyways, I didn't like coffee back then. So I put my, I put my feet in these two buckets of water and ice and, and worked through the night. And uh, on day six, after asking for a lot of favors and friends and and reading a lot, I was able to finish my project. It called Mr. Bears, went to go see him, showed him the project. He grabbed it and he was like, he was he was confused. That's what I saw in his eyes. He just seemed confused. He didn't know what to expect. When he saw it, he just looked surprised. And I don't know what that meant. So he he's like, one second. So he he has this beautiful executive office and um it later became my office, by the way. But anyway, so so he um he he turned back to his older desk behind his executive desk and opened up his briefcase because he would travel from Arizona, our corporate office to San Diego mm -hmm. uh, every week. And he opened up his briefcase and he took out his own budget for that project from his team in Arizona. And he puts it next to mine. He goes, where'd you get this? I said, sir, I, I didn't get it. I put it together. Mm -hmm. He goes, how'd you do this? I'm like, is it good? Is it bad? What is it? Mm -hmm. You're only off by like five or 6%. Mm -hmm. I took my project, my group of project managers in Arizona who do this for a living. I remembered. Three months. months. Yeah. Three months to do this. What, what, um, you know, what is it? What, how'd you do it? I said, Sarah, well, I went out and I told him what I did, told him about the buckets and all that. And he, he looked at me a little perplexed and he said, you know what? Let me, um, let me, let me call you back. Let me call you back. I need to leave to Arizona. I'll call you back. Well, like two, three weeks went by and didn't get a call. I was always wondering what happened. Four weeks, oh, right? Yeah. Four weeks. Good job, man. I'm like keeping no my book better than me now. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, when I when I I really when I was writing the book, I really I went on this cave for four months and did nothing but just write and write and write. And it was yeah. a experience, my first book ever. Anyway, so um, yes. great job, buddy. Great thank job. You. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. So. I um I didn't get a call until like three, four weeks later on a Sunday evening. I was at church actually, mm -hmm. and it had to be the it was it was late. Yeah. And he called me up and said, I said, Hey, um, hey, you want the job? I'm like, who, partner, who is this? <laughs> this is this Steve Bears. Do you want the job? 
And I said, sir, um, I was waiting for your call, but it's just, just getting out of church now. We're going to have dinner, and I don't understand your call. Would you like me to go back tomorrow, Monday? No, no, come come over right now. Yeah. Do you want this job or not? <laughs> yeah. So I, I go over, and uh, his office is empty, and big office that Bob now owned and the owner of the company. So um, he goes, okay, this is your office. That's your office right there, and um, yeah, build our company. Welcome. Welcome on board. I said, okay. All right. So um, I'm hired. Yeah, you're hired. I said, good good job in the analysis you did. That'll be your first project. I said, okay. All right. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. What time? Well, whatever time you can get here. I'm like, okay, very casual. We didn't discuss salary. We, it was, it was uh, I don't know if I wrote this in the book, but um, uh, it, it was, um, it was an interesting experience. I, I had to work for other companies, but they normally they take you through a process, you know, and like so an onboarding process, that kind of thing. You yeah. just started the next morning, started building the team, and so like built, three months, three months into it, you hadn't been paid. Yes, and then all of right? a sudden, I get this big check, um, and I remember calling our going to Steve's office and saying, "Hey, what's going on?" And I said, uh, "Do I have the job or not?" Yeah, and he kind of said, "What do you mean?" I said, well, yeah, I've been working for three months. I haven't gotten paid. He goes, you hired a whole bunch of people under you. Are they not getting paid? I know they're getting paid, but I'm not getting paid. I'm still probably in the, in the, the provision period or something. Right. No, 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 Chris. I'm sorry. I didn't know you weren't getting paid. Call, you know, Arizona and get paid. Here's the number to the accountant. Yeah. Right? And yes. then you get on the phone with the accountant and the accountant's like, okay, so you, you need, be, need to be paid for all your hours, your overtime, all this stuff. And you end up with a check that's, huge yes, yes absolutely huge and you're you're right out of college yeah and, and i mean the, the the check was um more than i probably expect to make in a whole year yeah uh, and and uh anyway so i go to the bank and and uh i literally um i'm believing that somebody's going to come out with a camera and saying how oh, we got you it's a joke yeah you've been pumped <laughs> i said the check and and I'm still thinking, oh, they're gonna call me from the bank saying this, this is a joke, Sarah. You know, we got you. And then, um, no, the check clears. Yeah. So then I go to the bank and I withdraw like five grand or whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is real money. Yeah. I did get hired. Oh my god. Yeah. So that was my experience. You That's know, crazy, man, that was one of the coolest things. Reading that was really cool. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Fast, fast forward. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurry up because I have a hard step in about eight minutes, man. But <laughs> I am. Um, I um within months later, uh, unfortunately and fortunately, I I took Steve Bears' job, mm -hmm. and um, like I said he's uh one of my mentors. The moment I was offered the job, I actually resigned from the company. I gave my letter of resignation, and Steve himself convinced me to stay, even though he had gotten let go, mm -hmm. and I stayed because he asked me to. Yeah. Uh, but I became director of operations of an amazing company, and uh, I mean. For those who are listening to this and don't know what that means, any organization, a Costco, a restaurant, chain, franchise, any business should have, you know, at least 10 departments. You have your community liaison, executive department, you know, finance, marketing operations, you know, accounting, human resources, asset management, those kind of departments. Well, I was in those departments get led by directors or executives of a organization as big as like Bob's. And I was the director of operations for for that company, and it wasn't um, in the history of um, Gosnell, 
Uh, they had never hired such a young, you know, executive, mm -hmm. uh, but they hired me. So it was amazing. Uh, fast forward, um, you know, the last, the great recession, 2007, right? Yeah, 2008, yeah. Well, actually, it started in 07. It was like July of 07, where it yeah. effectively hit. But it was more like 08. People know it as the 08, but it was 07. Yeah. And um, and in, in that recession, um, I started, um, um, well, can I skip something? But I, I started, you know, my own company as a GC, as a developer myself. And we started building, you know, that company. And, and now it's been 18 years with AH Construction. It's been an um, amazing experience to be the owner of that company and the partnerships that I have to that company. And they started investing in real estate. Later on, opened up the first real estate wholesaling company in the West Coast. Uh, that gave me tremendous wealth and um, monetary wealth. Mm -hmm. And um, 13 years ago, I gave my life to God. And, um, you know, I, my life became more focused on purpose. And about two years ago, I was assigned, I had an assignment from God to build this new company called TCA. That is a, a real estate business and health education company. And we're not targeting the top 10% of people in the U.S. We're targeting 90% of the people in the U.S. That's what we want to help. People that normally can't pay $30,000, $70,000 for education. Mm -hmm. People who, who can afford it by just skipping Starbucks. Mm -hmm. you know. And um, our, our courses are very well done. I wrote them myself. Mm -hmm. And then I hired Dr. Lisa Dunn, who's a scholar, has about 23 universities around the country that she has established. And she went over the course and make sure that it was good, good curriculum. So um, we have amazing coaches, the best of the best. We hired the biggest technology company, the third biggest technology company in the world, the biggest law firm company in our country, the biggest, second biggest compensation writer, uh, uh, plan writer, and second biggest company in our country as well. Thank you, Elvia. And, and uh, it's been a phenomenal experience to see the stories, the wins of all the students, 18-year-olds who are now opening up an LLC and learning how to wholesale reels to have three employees under them or this multi-millionaire guy who comes in and is all in stocks but has no real estate and now is being able to buy real estate or, or a guy who just joined as a student who is the biggest uh, producer for EXP world, the entire world. And respectfully, I know we're being recorded, but he's, um, he allowed allow me to say this, he um, didn't own much real estate. Mm -hmm. Chris, I'm, uh, I make a lot of money on a monthly basis, but I need to own more real estate. Yeah. So, we're attracting high-level people. We attract who we are, not what we want, right? So we're attracting very high-level people, but we're also attracting the people who had never had an opportunity before yeah. to be under this kind of leadership guidance. Or we yeah. give them the blueprints, roadmaps, strategies, tactics, you know, spreadsheets, performance, everything they need to, to run a thriving business. You know, we have pre-recorded courses, self-paced. We have a private Facebook group they belong to where... Any question they have nationwide when it comes to business or real estate investing, we guarantee that we answer those questions within 24 hours. They get me live once a week in a Zoom call with all of our students and IBOs um, and, and many more perks, four conferences a year, live that we do around the country. And it's been a phenomenal experience with what we're doing. When, when you get to not be distracted by chasing money and focus mm -hmm. uh, on your purpose, what truly matters. Mm -hmm. and you're calling. So I'm on, I'm in convergence. This word that we use a lot in Pathfinders. Mm -hmm. And convergence is living your authentic self in the authentic path designed by God for you here on this earth, being on purpose. Yeah. And I believe that I, I'm successful because I, 
I believe that success is when someone discovers their their reason for existence and they go out and become the best at it. Yeah. I believe best in what I do. And just like when I was a youngster, I was trying to be the best at NASCO. I'm the best in what I do here. Yeah. So that's my life story. That's awesome, buddy. That's awesome. So this is an absolute, this is an absolute stroke of genius. Everybody <laughs> needs to get this book. This should be mandatory reading. It's called Just Maximize. This should be mandatory reading for anybody who's getting into real estate investing. And then TCA, how do people, if somebody wants to take a look at TCA, how do they, how do they get to that? Now, Le Dr. Lisa Dunn, by the way, real quick, is also your co-author on this book. So I wanted to make sure we mentioned that. Um, so how do they, how does somebody find out about TCA? So TCA stands for the Chris Aguilar. Mm -hmm. So uh, you go to www.thechrisaguilar.com. You can reach us through, through our website. Oh, we are pretty big. Uh, we are influencers and, and we are pretty big in influencing people through social media. So um, you can go to um, Instagram, perhaps our, our label is the dot Chris Aguilar. Okay. Uh, you can find us there on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. We're on every social media platform. So is it chrisaguilar.com or is it thechrisaguilar.com? Okay, so the website is www.thechrisaguilar.com. But now my label for social media, so you have you know your labels for social media, yeah. is the dot uh, Chris Aguilar. Okay, so www.thechrisaguilar.com. Yes. Uh -huh. Okay, so make yeah. sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, people, people need to check this out. This book needs to get read. Anybody that wants to get into real estate, anybody that wants to invest in real estate, this is an absolute must. It should be required reading. I'm not joking. It should be mandatory. And then TCA, um, you know, I, I know enough about you now to know that anything you're doing is world-class. So people need to check it out for sure. I'm going to go check it out. So thank you. But thank you so much for being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience. Hey, th thank you, Mike. And it was so good to actually have my voice back. The first time you heard me speak, I'm honored that you even asked me to be yeah. in your podcast. I lost my voice in the middle of my talk. It was so Yeah, you asked somebody to jump in and talk while while you were trying to get some some liquid down. Yes, it was uh it was the first time that ever happened. So um it was incredible. But um the message was delivered and I believe we did something here too. So thank you. You did um, a great job, buddy. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Take care, okay? Bye-bye. Right. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.